Welcome to Chapter 2 of the Kinsman Die Podcast, home of fantasy fiction based on Norse mythology that's written and read by me, Matt Bishop. I've written two novels, Kinsman Die and Dark Rose the Sun. They are the first two books in my series called And the Heavens Burn. In this podcast, I will read both books and, when it's finally finished, that third concluding book in the series. My goal is to share my love of Norse mythology and, obviously, my books. I believe I've done something unique when it comes to the retelling of these old stories because the point of view characters in my books are the Asir themselves. In Chapter 1, we met Frigg, the All-Mother, wife of Odin and mother of three, Baldur, Hodur, and Hermod. In this chapter, we will meet Vidar Odinson. Everything you'll hear is based on my interpretation of the source materials, the Poetic Edda and the Prose Edda, along with a stack of books that discuss the myths, and another stack of academic articles that do the same. Right now, I'm planning to read one chapter per week. Every five episodes will be a combination recap and explication of how I incorporated the myths and why I made the choices I did, without spoilers. Kidsman Die has 92 chapters. Dark Grows the Sun is about half that, so this is going to take a while. I truly hope you enjoy the journey. Before I begin, let me just say I'm learning the art of podcasting as I go. I'll do my absolute best to produce a quality product for your listening pleasure, and I'm just a writer reading his book. I'll do my best not to suck too bad. So, my friends, whatever happens, do not crack the bones of Thor's goats. Let's do this. Chapter 2. Vidar. Jarl! Vidar wrenched his gaze from the massive column of black smoke and ash that had piled up above the burning town and turned in his saddle. His killer, Garillon, rode toward him, pointing at the low, curving slope of the hill ahead of them. Survivors staggered down the road, dark figures against the harsh blue of the midwinter sky. Vidar thumped a clenched fist on his saddle's pommel. He and his warband had ridden all night to reach this mining town and the mountainous outskirts of his district— And what had he done? Spent more time staring at the smoky remnants of the town than its folk. He hadn't even seen them. He guided Hrimfaxi off the road. Light snow puffed up around her hooves. The sky's chill steeds cantered through the tall golden grasses that stretched as far south and westward as he could see. His people, the Asir, had been at peace with the Jotun for more than forty winters, ever since the last war had ended. But last night, an exhausted messenger had arrived at Vidar's Hall. Come at once, Jarl. The Jotun have attacked Halls. They're kill- So we'd mustered what warriors he had to hand, the sixty spears now trailing Garillon, and ridden all night to get here. Garillon reined in beside him and spoke in a voice like a sturdy cart's creaking axle. Odd that the Jotun would leave so many alive. Doubly odd that they're not running, Vidar gestured toward the approaching townsfolk, if it was the Jotun. Indeed, Jarl. Shall we ride forward to meet them? No doubt they'll have better information than the messenger. The wind gusted, pungent with ash and smoke. It blew Vidar's cloak open, ran down the neck of his heavy shirt, and made his fox-head banner snap and crack. Vidar swore, hauled his cloak shut, and leaned forward to thump Rimfaxi's. Then his eyes went to the pack of townsfolk again, easily several hundred in number. Let them all clear the hill first, just in case. The town was how big? Less than two thousand, Jarl. At an itch between his shoulder blades... Vidar threw a glance at the sharp line of the ridge above Halls. Ice and snow was caught among the ridge's jagged, toothy rocks like decaying flesh in a snow bear's jaws. He shaded his eyes again. His uncle Heimdall, 
could easily glimpse any Jotun tucked between those rocks, but he couldn't, even though the ridge line wasn't that far away. The ridge itself erupted up out of the plains south of Halls and ran in a crooked line northward behind the town, then into the thick forest and the low-shouldered mountains beyond. Isn't there an old logging or mining road along that ridge? Vidar asked. Garlon grunted in agreement. I believe so, Jarl. Disused, though, if memory serves. Good place to hide, Vidar said. That's where I'd head if I were them. Only high ground around here, aside from the mountains. Good view of the grasslands and the farms north of us. Can probably even see this fall. I haven't seen anything moving up there on the ridge, but that doesn't mean they're not there. Jotun or outlaws, they've been here for a lot longer than we have. Days, maybe. Plenty of time to dig in. Or run away, Vidar countered, lowering his hand and turning toward his killer. He pressed gloved hands against his saddle horn and shifted his weight. Outlaws definitely would have run, but the Jotun? Garlon gave a slight shrug. Yes, Jarl. Scouts, then, up the ridge, carefully. Vidar's tone took the question out of it. He pointed toward the farms east of the town, but a good distance north of his column. And that way, out across the fields and into the bordering forest. Up into the mountains, too, if they see the need. Yes, Jarl. With quick gestures, Garlon sent a pair of riders galloping north toward the dark line of trees that ran all along the mountain's base and then up its shoulders. He sent another pair west through the tall, snowy grasses to scout the high ridge. Vidar watched them until he could no longer see the clumps of snow flying up from the horse's hooves. He ran his thumb along the carved grip of his distaff. A gift from his father, the distaff hung on his right side, a pouch with a pair of silver shears and only one charged spindle beside it. These were the tools of Sather, the magic his father had been teaching him. His sword hung on his left side, a bone-handled sax nestled at the small of his back. Vidar gestured with his chin toward the line of townsfolk drawing closer. Let's go find out what happened. He squeezed his legs together and Hrimfaxi pranced forward, tossing her head, bridle jingling, happy to be moving, moving again. Garalon fell in beside him, barking commands that kicked the double column of warriors into motion and ordered them to keep their eyes on the ridge to the west, the fields to the north, and even the plains behind them. Not much was likely to come from behind them, but Garlon had commanded the Einherar during the waning winters of the last war. He knew what he was doing. Vidar rode down the column and nodded at the warriors. Although he only said a few names, Smar and Mikkel, Yala and Hevred, Kivela and Urolo, he knew them all. He had even sparred with some of them, but that was seldom enough, given his various projects and obligations as a district's jarl. At another itch between his shoulder blades, Vidar shielded his eyes against Saul's glare and scanned the ridge from one end to the other. Nothing but a herd of low clouds running fast, racing their shadows, edges sharp against the sky's brilliant blue. Was it those clouds and their shadows that kept dragging his attention back and back again to the ridge? He dropped his gaze to the road and the ragged clump of townsfolk a few yards away. Garalon leaned toward him. The scouts we sent are good men, cautious and thorough. If the enemy's up there, we'll know it soon, and we'll set more eyes to watching from down here once we get the, these folk sorted out. Raising his voice to be heard over the clattering hooves, Vidar said, Sound the horn for Gladsham anyway, Garlon. I want reinforcements moving our way. I'm not confident in the Einherar's garrison attention to duty. Before he had ridden from his hall in Vithi, Vidar had sent a bird to the Einherar garrison in the northeastern part of his district. Like Vithi, that garrison was about a night's ride from Halls, 
if the hairseer of the garrison had dispatched a column of Einherar as he was supposed to, those warriors should be here soon. Over the last dozen winters, though, the Einherar had not only tripled in size, but they had also become recalcitrant to any order except the Allfathers, and since Odin, his father, had been gone these twenty winters, the Einherar pretty much did as they pleased, unless the Allmother stepped in and made the consequences of further disobedience perfectly clear. Of course, the Allmother had no way of knowing what was happening here in Vithy, not until the bird that he'd also sent to Gladsame arrived. Even when it did, it would take at least a pair of nights before the Einherar arrived from Gladsame. Their best chance at reinforcements was either the Einherar garrison to the northeast or Heimdall's ears. It had seemed that Garlon hesitated for just the briefest moment before nodding, Yes, Jarl. He reached beneath his cloak for the silver-wrapped horn. A moment later, the horn's voice split the air like a fox's hoarse shriek. Heimdall would hear it all the way back in Gladsame. He would tell Frigg, and she would kick the Einherar into motion. If Heimdall wasn't dead drunk. But why had Garlon hesitated? Did he approve of calling for reinforcements a second time without having set eyes on the enemy? The wind gusted and blew a swirl of snow across the road. If Yudar would rather the Einhar be on the move sooner rather than later, it would be two nights at least before they arrived. And if this Jotun attack turned out to be nothing, then he'd have the all-clear sounded, and the Einherar from Gladsame would simply turn back. Either way, it wouldn't be Garalon who would ultimately have to face the consequences, or suffer the loss of honor. It would all be on him. Well, folks, that was Chapter 2 of Kinsman Die. I hope you enjoyed it. We met Vidar and experienced him arriving at the town of Halls, which has, apparently, been sacked by the Jotun. I'm a big believer in value for value, so I have several requests. First, please leave a review on whatever podcast app or platform you use. They really help. Second, please share the podcast. That also helps a ton. And third, please consider supporting my work by buying my books on Amazon or in some other way. Likes and follows, Patreon, Locals, a boost through the Lightning Bitcoin Network, etc. I'd also enjoy hearing from you. You can email me at mattbishopwrites at gmail.com, and all the links will be in the show notes. And with that, I will leave you with this thought from the sayings of the High One, Odin himself. This is the Bellows translation, available on Sacred Texts. Verse 2. Hail to the giver. A guest has come. Where shall the stranger sit? Swift shall he be who, with sword, shall try the proof of his might to make.